Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 285, covering Once Upon a Time and Timeless with Brian Lynch. Hi, friends. We got episodes that have time in the title. You know what that means. How many episodes of Voyager do you think we've had that have time in the title? I bet it's a lot. So many. It's the fire in which we burn. Also, Brian's here. Hi, Brian. Yes, for the second time in as many months, I believe. (laughs) Also, you showed up for another Wacky Holodeck episode. I didn't do that on purpose. Honestly, this is the second time uh, I've picked an episode just based on how funny it would be to hear Dave read the title. Um, oh, yeah. Which, granted, I'd be able to hear anyway. I do listen I mean, to the show, sweetie, but you know he reads the title every week, right? It's not yeah, just what but you like I picked him. The other one was uh, "Bada Bing, Bada Bang" and "Interarmenshard." Yeah, that was the best. That was the best week for him, I think. Yeah, we're not going to top that one. But this bada time, bing, bada was, boom, man, Ermanermaner. This time yes. it was once upon a time and timeless. Time, time. What we need is uh, Morgan Freeman yeah. to, to do this particular You're one. You're listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast. With yeah, but Ron the way he says time is particularly weird. Matt Robotham. This week's episode, Timeless. And time. Timity time. Time travelers. No, not that guy. <laughs> Definitely not that guy. Uh, Time's Arrow. Also, I was really surprised that the the main wacky looking thing that a bunch of listeners warned us about, mm-hmm. like, oh, here here comes a stupid thing. None of us really hated. No, that I much. was shocked by how much I enjoyed this first episode, even with its bizarre capering. Yeah, yeah. I had the time of my life. Oh my oh, god. Boy. Okay, you're not you're not allowed back anymore. I, I Sorry, Matt. Did I catch you at a bad time? <laughs> ah! All right, time to uh, read your summary. Oh, now. all in good time. All right, <laughs> I think I'm done. <laughs> Uh, okay. Kill myself. Excuse me. Here we are. All right. Uh, so, once upon a time, and mm. uh, oh crap! I got another holodeck episode. I can't wait to see what stupid, illogical, nonsensical thing it does. This. Wait a minute. Wait. What? It's actually being used to proper effect as a storytelling and gaming platform, not a weird magic box. Huh. Oh, oh, well, well, they have a kid starring in this episode. Surely she'll be one of those whiny, annoying single episode Star Trek kids. Wait, what? She's actually a delightful presence who manages to play a smart child while being neither precocious nor precious and is actually important to the story? Damn. Oh, and Neelix is the featured crew member this time. Okay, I bet he's still a selfish, annoying pill. Wait, what? No, no, no. There it is. Had to get one right, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, this episode is all about Neelix taking care of the ship's uh, other baby, Naomi Wildman. And Lil Hornhead has managed to mature to five or six in the space of a couple of seasons. Something, something alien genes. If you'll recall, Neelix was made her godfather. Personally, I'd keep him away from small children. We've seen what he gets up to. And he's looking after her while her mom's on a dangerous away mission. See, she's worried about her mom, but nobody will give her a straight answer about what's going on, which forces her to only learn about it through eavesdropping on the Doctor, Torres, and Lieutenant Kim. Wait, what? Really? Still? Huh. Her main coping mechanism is a problem-solving game-slash-show on the holodeck called The Adventures of Flotter T. Water, which is about a water dude and a tree dude who live in a magic forest. Look, it's better than it sounds. When a fire dude gets added to the mix, Neelix has one of his classic flashbacks to his ill-defined past of the ill-defined Talaxian War. 
This time we learned that the war was blurry, shaky, and cheap. Stay tuned for more thrilling nuggets of information about this conflict that you keep forgetting existed. <laughs> Naomi eventually just decides to go to the bridge, presumably thinking that if Harry's allowed there, the entrance requirements can't be that strict, where she learns the severity of her mom's situation. In a panic, she runs to the holodeck, where she takes control of her life by solving Flodder's problems, and just generally does a better job of coping with her life than Neelix, the alleged adult. Then everyone comes back and everything's fine, and everyone just sort of chills in the magic forest, and it's all pretty cute. This week on Deep Space Nine, Worf takes on the care of the ailing Dahar Master Core, which means that's another spiky-headed youngster who is more emotionally mature than the sideburned elder that was supposed to be their superior. <laughs> but Core had space Alzheimer's. I don't know what Neelix's excuse is. This week on Becker, Becker keeps seeing things that remind him of sex, Jake takes a sculpting class to try to meet women, and Terry Farrell hides from the cruel rays of the sun. Yeah, but really, isn't that her lot in life always? Wait, so yes. Jake was on Becker too? Uh, I, mean, I assume a different Jake. Was that where Jake? Lofton was appearing? <laughs> no, I think that was Jake of Jake and the Fat Man. Oh. I'm just going to be honest. The, my entire research on Becker consisted of Wikipedia article, list of Becker episodes, and uh, so I refuse to learn any more about you did, it. You didn't, go to, you didn't go to Beckerpedia? I don't For all I know, Terry Farrell plays Jake. I didn't even look up the name of her character. <laughs> See, I think Beckerpedia is okay, but I really think the dance on Omicron is the much more... Uh, <laughs> Much more authoritative source on that. See, I'm not a big fan because they lean too heavily into the into his Cheers stuff. Also, I mean, it's on, bound in talk... human skin. Like, <laughs> no, it's bound in that weird hair that he has. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of Neelix. Speaking of Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah. Ugh, that's terrible. How is that not a thing? Yeah, hang on, I got to look this up now. I'm sure it must be. It must be a thing. You know, uh, the internet's foremost uh, website on wigs. Yeah. And, I and their servers are in the wig sphere. <laughs> I swear I saw a picture of Ted dancing without his wig once, but Google does not help me. I'm sure so. I saw that. Isn't that in, like, the last episode of Cheers or something? No, it's definitely not there. No, it no, might have no. appeared at some point in Cheers, but I remember the last episode. On Cheers, they something. were pretending that he was 30 or something. There's yeah. something where he takes his hair off. I think it was an episode of Cheers. It just was an earlier one. Could be. Mm. I don't know. Or maybe when he was on Frasier. Why are why are we still talking about Ted Danson? You're listening to the uh, you're listening to the Cheers Atomic Horror. Listen, guys, if we're gonna waste time uh, not talk about an episode, let's save it for the next one. Uh, There's a reason. We, we're just we're way more fragmented these days for some inexplicable reason. I'm not sure what it is. I can't the imagine. Last, uh, year-ish. I re-listened to my last episode and we were all over the place, but that time it was mm -hmm. we were recording like after midnight, at least my time. Mm. Ah, and so that one, that one. Oh, that's right. I had to go to Canada that weekend. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just I feel like this last year or so we've uh, we, we haven't stayed quite as focused for some inexplicable reason. Yeah, I knows? can't imagine what Who that could why. be about. Anyway, let's talk about Voyager. Yeah, uh, look, no, of I, the two, the, I I would say this was a good episode. Oh, totally. I not a perfect agree. one, but I think this was definitely had, up to the you know top uh, level of what we yeah. expect from Voyager. No, That's, yeah. That sounded backhanded. Yeah. No, uh, I think you make a good point, Brian. Like, this shouldn't be a good episode. No, it shouldn't. It was well, like... the holodeck stuff, like I said, a number of listeners, like, on Twitter and Facebook, because I took a, a screenshot as soon as we saw the first goofy, like, uh, brightly colored holodeck guy. I was yep. like, oh, boy, here we go. Because, like Brian said in his summary, we expect that same, we're going to be trapped there, or they're going to come alive mm -hmm. or something. No, it was just a leisure thing that... That's it. That's all it was. Yep. And like a bunch of listeners saw that and said, oh boy, that one. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm right. Uh -huh. And no, you know what? You guys were wrong. This yeah. wasn't that bad. No, yeah, no. The, like just everything about it, except Neelix, mm. just really kind of did it for me. No, and actually this is my good thing. Mm. Um, 
we hardly saw it at all, first of all. Like, and what we did see felt like viable children's entertainment of the future. It was part fairy tale, part adventure game. Like, I enjoyed the puzzle solving aspects of it. She was supposed to figure out, okay, the water guy has water powers, so we need to do water things for him. Mm -hmm. And the fire guy, you know, like, whatever. And I like that she seemed to be pretty good at it. And her researching specific things to solve the puzzles reminded me a lot of when I was a kid, actually. Like, I I remember there were uh, riddles in certain games I played, and I didn't know what all the words meant. And I'd go look them up, and I'd try to figure out the riddle, like, based on my own you know, trying to noodle it through when I wasn't playing the game. And it was, it, it was, I liked it. Yeah, like That's it looks thing. like the water guy dies at one point and she's like, no, water doesn't disappear. It evaporates. And so mm. he's still around somewhere. And so it taught her. Yeah, like it was, it was sort of backhandedly educational. It wasn't like bonking her over the head with educational stuff, but it forced her to learn about no, it. No, And that's the thing. Naomi feels like, you know, like a, an intelligent kid without being like, you know, Wesley or something. Where Yeah, it's like what Brian said. She's not precocious. Yeah. She's just smart. Everyone yeah, like, just stand around going, talking about how smart she is. No, we, we, we were talking about this while the episode was on. They they walk a fine line with kids on Star Trek. And mm-hmm. sometimes you get good stuff like uh, I don't know, like the, the three kids that were with Picard that one episode yep. or uh, the thing is, I could name a lot of good examples of children. Alexander like, at I know his best. And sometimes you get yeah. good Alexander. Sometimes you get bad Alexander. That's true. Alexander's 50 50. But like you had Jeremy Astor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked which him. He never showed up again, but I liked him in that episode. You had that kid who was trying to be like data. Patches. Yeah. Um, uh, there was that, the, uh, that, uh, Kid that was raised by the uh, the aliens that killed his parents. Oh wait, yeah, and identified Patrick, with their sorry. culture. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you had the like you said the three kids mm-hmm. in uh, disaster, and you had those kids in the Tuvok episode uh, yep. where they're stranded on the planet. Like, there's a lot of. <laughs> I believe you mean every- those senior citizens. <laughs> right. No, honestly, there's way more good kids than not, and a lot of it's, them were on the original series. At least to the point where bonk, you don't. Bonk. Yeah. Like, oh, God, no, no, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I have to seduce this this little girl so she'll do what I say. Oh, uh, God. What are you, Neelix? Uh, hey, we said very few kid toucher jokes. I, yes. <laughs> very few. We're allowed one. Uh, no, no, I know. I'm not. I'm, and it's not my rule. I think we all kind of agreed that that's a, not a, the best place for us to go. You, met, you let Homer Glumpkin make a pedophile joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we said no jokes. <laughs> but it's it's to the point where when we see kids, like our natural reaction is to say, oh, boy, kids on TV, this is going to suck. Yeah. And then we have to step back and say, wait a minute. No, Star Trek knows how to do this when they yeah, want to. Like, this, probably this, more often than not. Yeah, at least 50 50 to the point where we shouldn't immediately have that reaction. Yeah. And Naomi Watman's another another good one. No, she's actually like she's a good character. She's a character I actually became like liked pretty much right away. Yeah, mm-hmm. like she's having all these scenes with these like goofy characters and like you know, and I include Neelix in that sentence. And um, <laughs> the three goofy holodeck clowns, one of whom yeah, exactly. is able to leave, <laughs> was a real guy that she could leave the holodeck with. <laughs> oh boy. I can't wait to see what your strange friends are up to. But like her reactions to Seven, yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, man. That's actually, like, I would have loved, um, honestly, this is my bad thing. Oh, go ahead. I would have loved uh, this episode to have been The Adventures of Small Girl and Seven. Yeah, they only interact for a brief minute, but it's perfect. It's the same as that Tuvok and Kids episode. Yeah. Where it's just like, no, please stop doing that. It would have been so good. If you want to drop in my quote here, you can, because it's, uh... Oh, is it her talking about Seven? Uh, yeah, yeah. Felix, don't move. She has a name, you know. 
Seven of nine, tertiary adjunct of unit matrix zero one. Don't look. She'll assimilate you. Yeah, that's that is great. Yeah, I love she's that. she's mm-hmm. she's she's good. Good yeah, actress. I I mean, we have to overlook the the hyper aging thing, and they did at least give that some lip service mm-hmm. last time, where mm-hmm. they said, yeah, her dad's species hyper ages because she's really what six or seven at this point. Yeah, she's would a, I, I would say probably like seven. I feel yeah. like the number one cause of death in the Star Trek universe might be hyper aging at this point. <laughs> But it's it's really subjective because then when you want a character to be just still like Tuvok's supposed to be a hundred years old, yeah. and if you look at him, he's thirty. Come mm-hmm. on. I think it's also I think uh, that a lot of the hyper aging, like the Klingon and whatever Naomi is kids, I think it's a uh, uh, like a dog thing. Like people always talk about like dog years or whatever, but it doesn't quite work out like that. It's really they're full grown within two years, yeah, and right. then they just sort of stay that age for a while, you know, comparatively speaking. Right. No, and obviously, like, this isn't a thing we should overthink because it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Right. But when you, After this, when we can you, talk about the money some more. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ira, what, what do you think? From, what I learned from that 50, uh, the 50-year the mission books is that the writers do not understand how money works in Star Trek either. They're just like, this is a rule we were given. We don't know. Uh, I'm glad they're in the same boat as us, then. Yeah. They spent a lot more time talking about it than we did, and they still don't know. Um, but no, I just, I, I like... I assume, like I said, don't overthink it because it doesn't really make sense. But the idea that a human would breed with a different race might also create a whole new third kind of like situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where maybe her dad's species doesn't age fast, but maybe a half human, half whatever that is would. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Oh, there you go. There's also that. I, it, the point is, it doesn't matter. Once you get past that, she's like, I would much rather follow this seven-year-old yeah. that I can relate to than a two-year-old that w- could barely talk. Yeah, well, know, that, like, that's what it really comes down to. They should just yeah. do it like soap operas and just say, like, who gives a shit? This kid is now yeah. seven. That's what they did with Alexander. Yep. Or he went just, away and he came back and he could talk. Yep. Like, and then he okay. went away and he came back and he could join the army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, like children do. Or they should just, like, start the new season by saying, yeah, we just spent three years traveling across this expanse. Not a lot that, happened. Like we said yeah. we were going to at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be okay. <clears throat> you could do interesting uh, drama stuff with that, too, that way. Like, you have people in an early relationship, and you jump ahead yeah. three years, and so they're married, or they broke up, or, you know, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to show that middle part that's always kind of annoying. Yeah. No, Naomi and Harry finally grew up. <laughs> no, Harry's not going to grow up. <laughs> even, he, even, he's a Toys R Us kid. <laughs> even in the next episode where we jump 15 years into the future, he's uh. still... Harry. No, good Look, there's a reason. There's a reason I took like three or four jabs at Harry in my uh, summary, and it's yeah. next episode. And yeah. you, des- he deserves every one of them. Yeah, and I don't. I don't want to step on. Like I'm sure Matt got some good jabs in in his uh, in his summary, so I don't want to. You know, I don't take that away from you. But I'll yeah. also tell you, in addition to her being good as a child, I think the rest of, of the show handled her being a child well. Mm-hmm. Um, my good thing yeah. was that they they got the child perspective that like. Yeah. She's only able to get a straight answer by eavesdropping on adults, yep, uh, and sense. stuff like that. And like, just like the the way that she looks at her problems and the way that she looks at solutions and the way that she wants to be taken seriously, but is also really intimidated by everything around her. Mm. It all worked. Like, she was like she was like a kid, like a yeah, kid who yeah. had been born and raised on a starship. Yep. Yeah. Also, um, what what is uh, wild man, ensign wild man. What is she like? She's in sciences because she wears blue. But do we know what her job is? I don't know. Off the top I, I of don't my know. Head. 
I think she's I like she's, I think she's like a science science, not like medical. I, yeah, I think, I think she's, she's like a geologist or something because yeah. I think they had brought her along for a planet mission or something I'm like that. Yeah, that, that, that uh, makes sense. Find out if memory alpha says. But but what I'm what I'm driving at here is that her kid is the child of a scientist. Mm-hmm. So she might have inherited some of that sort of logical way of looking at the world. Well, you know I imagine I mean? like, that's just a, th- a way people are taught now, too. Like Also that. Up. But, but you know, her mom's a scientist, so between, like, heredity and environment, mm-hmm. she's she's got the tendency to analyze things and not freak out. Yeah. You she know? is a xenobiologist. Ah, there you go. So there we go. Yeah. And they, sure oh, they actually, one didn't of those they to... say that, like, her mom's favorite episode was... Uh, uh, of the tree of the the flotter show was like something about like a monster. Yes. That could be. Yeah. And Which so is a nice there character we go. Thing. Biology. Yeah. I love by know the way they... that everybody was a fan of like flotter when they were a kid. Oh yeah, it's like the you know the, the rolled doll books or something yeah, like or, so one of those classic things everyone's or read, like Sesame you know? Street like everyone's yeah. familiar with it. Yeah. No, I no, like I, that, and I like them. It just it's just established in this universe that this is a thing that's been around forever. Yeah, and it does raise, like, uh, Memory Alpha pointed this out, and it's it's a little nitpicky, but it's a valid thing. Like, if Janeway did it, then that means she's probably 40 at this point, which means she would have played it at age between 5 and 10, let's say. Mm. So, you know, like, uh, 30 to 35 years ago, holodeck technology was in people's homes? I mean, and you could have gone to a place to do it. Like, yeah. yeah, like, that Down to sense. the arcade. Yeah. Yeah. That actually does make sense. Okay. Yeah. Withdrawn. They just, they acted like in Next Gen that it was this new thing, because mm. everyone was always so, like, you know. Because <laughs> everybody went into the holodeck and wouldn't shut the fuck up about it for five yeah. hours. Well, I mean, yeah, technically, exactly. if you go back to the original, like, the, the animated series, it's, like, it's been around since then, so. Yeah, but that's not canon. Except when know. it is. I, uh, no. I, I will bet you anything that there is a, uh, some sort of holodeck episode in Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. That uh, th- I don't. There's no way there it, there couldn't be, right? Like I'm I'm tired of the holodeck on this show. I've said it many times, and that's why I like like we keep saying I liked it in this I, because it's used the way it's supposed to yeah, be used. Yeah, like she's playing a game. She's she's you know get ball, throw baby, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. She's she's this is she's the playing fourth century. She's playing King's Quest. I actually yeah. I love the idea. I I got this vibe from the way Janeway's talking about it at the end of the episode. Like it's like. It's a problem-solving game, but you can solve the problems in an infinite number of ways. I like that a lot. I don't know if there's infinite, but I would well, definitely I mean, think as many Janeway options bur- as... Janeway burned the forest to the ground, yeah, she so... she burned the forest down or flooded yeah. it or something, but, like I, lo- no, like... I love the idea that it's like, okay, this is a problem-solving game. That was not the correct way to solve the problem. Well, you know, there's there's video games like that now, and there were even, like, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the one of the Indiana Jones games, when you solve an early puzzle, it, it kind of puts you on a track with... Okay, you're a more action oriented player. You're more dialogue oriented. You're more puzzle oriented. More fist freaking oriented. I played the yeah. new King's Quest game and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. But they sort of give you the option to like, like based on your choices, you're oriented more to like action, compassion, or intelligence. Right. And I made one choice early in the game that set me like right on the action thing to the point where like the compassion character was like. You're a monster, and I was like, yeah. "No, I'm not. I'm not trying to." I, I mean, I did also accidentally get him stung by bees, but well, well, I mean, that'll make anybody think you're a monster. As we know from the movie My Girl, that can be fatal. Mm-hmm. Spoilers, I guess. And also the Wicker Man, not the bees, <laughs> uh, not the bees. Yeah, uh, but I, I just, I like it as even if there are only a limited number of choices, it's still versatile enough that different personalities can approach it different mm-hmm. ways. I, that's the impression yeah. I got anyway. Yeah, I like it, but. I, my, and this is kind of ties into my bad thing. <sighs> okay, 
So Neelix has, as Brian pointed out in his summary, his stupid Talaxian war thing whenever it's convenient. Yeah, yeah yep. I get a thing about that. <laughs> yeah, but um, dark history. Yeah, which comes dark up whenever. Page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was about to say, how is there no episode called Dark History yet? But there is one <laughs> called Dark Page, so. Um, but just, he, it like, the forest burned, and it reminded him of the war, and so she's not allowed to go do her escapist fantasy because he's uncomfortable. Yeah, no. What the crap? No, that, Neelix is possibly like, dude, the worst, po- Neelix is possibly the worst choice for father. Well, like, and that's ultimately my my overall bad thing uh-huh. is putting aside my general dislike of him. Mm-hmm. He's truly terrible. Yep. He's like between lying to her about her mother mm-hmm. and not letting her do the one thing that might keep her mind off the situation for the for a while. He's just the worst. He she actually ends up having to comfort him. Yep. At, by the end, she's a tiny child whose mother might be dead, and she has to fucking comfort you. Are you kidding me? Not everything's about you, Neelix. Yeah, and he's the guy who would if she dies. If or, uh, if Wildman dies, then uh, like Neelix is the one who gets who takes care of the kid. Oh god. Yeah. Like so, she's got two things to worry about in this episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that might be why uh, why she pulled through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, I'm dying on the floor here, but no, no, my kid's gonna end up with Neelix. Gotta just gotta live. Of, I'm really looking forward to taking care of your daughter for the rest no, of her life. Gotta live. Gotta live. I think she just sort of in passing said, sure, you can be her godfather, yep. whatever. And not realizing what that meant. Yep. And now it's like, oh, shit. Uh, I'm just going to do a <laughs> yeah. real quick rundown of what I was talking about earlier, which is what would happen to this episode if anybody else was taking care of her. Uh, yep. Janeway, they'd be able to play a different aspect of her maternal nature, which we've always said they do good things with. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, I think that would be fun. Uh, Chakotay, um, he uh, tends to get like brought out when he gets a little more personality. And I think if that you, based on if, his outdoorsiness, like doing the flutter thing would be fun for him. Yeah, and, and when you put him one-on-one with certain characters that he clicks with, he's actually not so bad. No. There we this go. could have been That's one of those situations. With, we've uh, seen that with Bellana before. Tuvok, yeah. like we already know Tuvok and kids work, and yeah. uh, I think that like, you know, you could do like uh, logic versus emotion when uh, mm-hmm. solving the flutter problems. That could be fun. Yeah. Uh, Tom and Bellana, that would be great. Like, oh, we're a couple. We'll do a little couples thing, take care of this kid. Wacky yeah, she's our egg baby. Yeah. Egg baby, exactly. And then they would drop her on her head. Um, yep. uh, Harry, I think, would be fun to see him like dealing with somebody lower than him because there's there nobody lower than him. <laughs> just, yeah. just bossing her around. Uh, Seven yeah. or the Doctor. I shouldn't have to tell you why that would be a brilliant idea. Neelix is... We- the worst person for this episode. Yeah. We got a great scene with her and the doctor who is basically teaching her because there's no school because yeah. it's not like the Enterprise where there's a big community of people and they don't have the infrastructure mm. for it. So the doctor's teaching her and he's such a good teacher because on the one hand, he's he's making it so she can understand it, but not dumbing it down so she feels condescended mm-hmm. to. And he's engaging her with some high energy stuff and examples she can relate to. And it's just it's a quick scene, but it's it's just. Yeah, and he's it's so nice. He's being a little goofy in that like yeah. doctor way that he has. Like like he looked up like how to speak to children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's working. Yeah, and he overdoes it just a little bit, and he also clearly doesn't seem to like it because when she leaves, he's like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> oh no, but, I thought that was uh, like, "Oh God, her mom is probably dying." Oh, that could be. Yeah, I think that. I, I think that's what that, that look was. Ah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, a little of both. I, I in, in, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, that's all. I, I I really like the idea of her as kid raised by a village almost. Yeah, yes, well, that's, exactly. That's... Kid raised by a village, not raised by Neelix. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, and that's I, we talked about this. I think last week or two weeks ago when it uh, takes the starship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the idea of the generation ship to me. Yeah. Like if they're really going to take seventy five years to get home, then this is the first of several children, probably. Mm. 
and they're going to have to figure out how to do this. They're going to have to figure out how, because like I read this somewhere. Uh, do we really expect Janeway to be over a hundred when the ship gets back? If it comes, if it comes home as long as they said, or I mean, she might be. Uh, yeah, but it's more likely that at some point, one of the, le- one of the lower guys, like she'll retire mm-hmm. and one of the lower guys will take over or, these kids will grow up and take responsibility. You know what I mean? Like, or Tom is going to marry Kess and their daughter is going to get married to Harry. Oh, thanks for a reminder sure. of that. Ugh. That could happen. That's one possible future. But like, I, I just, I like the idea. Like, that's an interesting concept that they don't do much with because we know they end up getting home at the end because mm-hmm. we always knew that was going to happen. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, like, your, that's your series finale. Sure. But but the idea of a ship that's out there for 75 years, what does that mean? Like, the, the implications are kind of interesting. What if they started planning for the long term and started thinking, okay, we need a school because, you know, Naomi's going to be the first of many, I'm sure. Yes. So, Tom, you're going to be the school teacher in addition to being the nurse and the engineer <laughs> and the pilot. Who keeps volunteering me for this crap? Look, pilot is the only thing I'm good at. Why do you keep volunteering me for jobs I am clearly not suited to do? Listen, if you want me to teach her how to put together a, a Chevy from the 60s, call me. But uh... yeah, Otherwise, yeah. Or I could teach her how to pilot a shuttle, but uh, I, I haven't even gotten Harry to do that yeah. yet. So. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Ooh. There's so many buttons. Yeah. But the problem here is that you refuse to learn anything. You just sit down at the console and go, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Telephone. <laughs> but yeah, Harry, Brian, your console's you're right. Every, on fire again. <laughs> everybody would have been a better choice than Neelix. And I know what they were trying to do, mm-hmm. but it didn't work. Yeah, well. <laughs> He's just bad at it. And it's so, it, it's all about him. And like I said, she really has to comfort him. And like, come on. She's got like... She's got this on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, like, I get that he's got a thing to deal with, but, like, deal with yeah. it, man. Yeah, get your shit together. This is what you're supposed to do as the adult, is you yeah. put your shit behind you, you get it yeah. together, and you help the kid. And, no, like, and okay, really due like... to the circumstances of his past, like, yes, a large explosion in a sylvan glade is going to be, like, a major trigger for him. Mm-hmm. But he shouldn't make that her problem. Yeah. No, and and... What what they said was there are many adventures of this thing. Can we just do a different one that doesn't have explosions? Done. Well, no, he he. she didn't want to do that because she wanted to finish the freaking level that she was on. Okay, well then leave. She's probably okay unattended in there playing a kid's game. She was. She was, unatt- she, she was. she was unattended yeah. in the first. Uh, yeah, exactly. The thing, th- yeah. that's not the problem. The problem is that he won't leave her alone. Right. Which is really the problem with Neelix all the time. Yeah, he's like, fucking, he's, what do they call it? Uh, helicopter parenting her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Except he's helicopter godfathering her, yeah. which sounds like an awesome movie, but a terrible way to raise <laughs> oh, a kid. It's like a combination of the godfather and uh, airwolf. airwolf. Yes. <laughs> oh, I was thinking the combination of the godfather and dogcopter from Steven Universe, which if you've seen also that, you good. know what it is, but otherwise you won't. Um, but no, I really liked seeing the kids side of this, actually. Like yeah. I liked, we like we often, especially in uh, uh, Next Gen, mm. got there's families on the ship and parents are sometimes put in danger, but we don't usually see it from their perspective. Like we had one or two episodes like that. Sure. But I, I, it is a, a major implication of, yeah, what if she doesn't come back? What does that mean for this kid? Because yeah, people are going on dangerous missions mm-hmm. and they don't always come back. And, and really Matt, doesn't that kind of tie into, Oh yeah. Um, I really like them just I love them injuring Wildman as I think that's a really smart play for Voyager. Are, are we putting aside the way you usually say oh, that? Oh, excuse me. I think it's a it's really inter- like it's a really interesting take on Wildman. 
Okay. Uh, that, that should be enough. We have to say that name a lot this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that now that covers it for the uh, for the rest of the discussion. Um, since she's like a a character we know, b a character that I am shocked to learn I actually like her kid. So like I'm invested in not only her but what happens to her kid, and yeah. she's not in the opening credits, so she can die. Like yeah, there's actual like we know from the beginning that uh, uh what is it Tuvok and Paris are going to be fine. Like, yeah, right. They're main characters. They're not going anywhere. But Wildman's not a main character. We've seen her before. She's reoccurring. But we could easily bump her off and, like, have Neil yeah, just own her now. Like, I, uh, oh, good lord. Like I said, that I, makes her the red shirt. If she, yeah, exactly. if, the, if the mission was, like, Tom, Tuvok, Wildman, and one other guy, then, mm. yeah, other guy would wind up dead. But yeah. she's the other guy. And yeah. I think I think on TV tropes they call it like a mauve shirt, mm-hmm. like somebody who's like enough of a character that you recognize, but not enough that they're guaranteed safety. Yeah, well, because that's the best way to you kind of get invested in them, and then their death means something. Yeah, the like whole we, thing about red shirts was always like, well, who was that guy? Who cares? Like mm-hmm. we talk about all the time how there's no stakes in Voyager because we know, I, or any show, honestly, because yeah. like you know the main characters aren't going to die, or if they do, they'll be back by the end of the episode. Right. But Wildman's like you know she's not. A real character. She's just visiting. She could die any, at any time. Mm-hmm. One of the things I wish they did more of in this show, we have a couple of guys like this. Mm-hmm. We have Wildman and we have Vorik. And, we were talking uh, about uh, Lieutenant Carey, who was yeah, a from major way one early, of the first season. Who will, yeah, who will come back at some point. Yeah. But the fact that we only have like a hundred and some people on the ship means we should at some point know a lot more. Like, I like when Balana reaches, like someone hands her a wrench. Mm-hmm. It's that Vulcan guy we saw before. Yeah. And I like that if they need a specialist on a mission, it's Wildman because we've seen her before. Like, I wish there was a little more of that. And it was nice to see her. And I wouldn't have wanted to lose her, but that's what makes the stakes interesting is Mm because I wouldn't want to lose her and I would care. Yeah. Yeah, We need need a few more Mm O'Briens. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They need to grow some more O'Briens. I was actually, I was thinking about this uh, earlier in the week. Why don't we grow some (laughs) O'Briens? Voyager actually has a surprisingly small body count for as long as the show's been going. Like... The other Treks always, like, were willing to, you know, dump a couple of guys to show the deadly danger and stuff. But one thing they've sort of done on Voyager that I've noticed and they've never talked about is that, like, when people die on this show, it actually means something. Well, that and and that's because uh, particularly early on, mm-hmm. they talked about when they talked about people staying behind on that one planet. She's like, we can't run the ship with any less people than this. So yeah. if they're going to hit that point home, they can't just keep killing guys off mm-hmm. or, you mm-hmm. know. But, like, I really like that they're they're willing to not, like, just, oh, yeah, you can tell it's dangerous because one of the, this crew member got killed. Well, right. didn't, like, 20 ex-Maquis people die in that yeah, episode the that gives a then shit about they that. showed flashbacks of and I didn't, did, okay, just, I don't want to go back a week, but can you guys just clarify that thing that Bellana was all torn up about, all those mm-hmm. ex-Maquis yeah. people who died? Did that happen on an episode? Or? No, no, that's no, 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 no. the, um, that was, that was from all, DS9. Yeah, that was when they... They found, they got that transmission from Earth. Oh, okay, 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 had okay. Been wiped okay. out by what was it? The Romulans or the Dominion? No, it was That's the Dominion. Right. It was remember because female changeling said, "Yeah, we got sick of dealing with them, so we just killed them all." Yeah, I and it happened off screen, and we were super so happy watching that. that episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Voyager crew members that had died. Oh, no, no, they got the news from back home. Okay, that's, yeah. I must have missed that sentence, and then that threw yeah. off my entire perspective. Yeah, no, it was a big thing okay, for Kalana, cool. and less so for Chuck, who doesn't give a no, shit. Even in the moment, it was a big thing for Bolano. She was upset, and he was like, yeah, they're dead. That sucks. Yeah, that's real That's rough. right. Okay, yeah. I'm remembering. I'm a commander. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I was a mucky. I'm Captain Picard. 
I also, uh, uh, again, and this this one, I was sort of thinking about this entire time because of stupid holodeck stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which was not this time. Did you guys notice that when the power went out on the ship uh, in the season premiere, the holodeck stayed active, but the lights in the holodeck went out? Yeah, I didn't yeah. notice that. When they were really stuck in Captain me. Proton? Yeah, but like, yeah. The, the lights weren't working in Captain Proton, but yeah. the freaking... Yeah. No, the haunted castle the simulation still there. No, you're going. right. It was really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, I always feel that way. Point is, that didn't happen this time. Good yeah. holodeck episode. Yeah. Uh, Brian, what was your bad thing? Okay, my bad thing. Look, like I said, I have sympathy for Neelix and his situation. Honestly, his past in the generic, ill-defined Talaxian War is one of those little hints of what could have made him a more interesting character if he wasn't a ridiculous clown. Mm-hmm. Um, but they showed it in this, and it was supposed to be a very serious emotional moment where his family was dying, and I guess they were saving the budget for the next episode, because what happens is they're running through the forest, and it's blurry and shaky, and it's the same forest that Flotter lives in, um, which I guess, I, I think they were just trying to save on the set. I don't know if it was supposed to be like metaphorical or something. And then his brother and sister fall down. And they're not trapped under anything, and they're not even trying to get up. They just sort of lie there twitching and reaching up, and he just yells, stand up! And they don't, and then there's some fucking video toaster uh, <laughs> fire flares on the screen, and that's it. And it just looks so cheap and goofy that it kills all of the dramatic momentum that scene was supposed to have. Absolutely. Also, my good thing for this episode of Post-Atomic Horror is you name-checking the video toaster, which uh, really <laughs> takes me back. <laughs> Well, thank you. No, and the thing is, they had that episode a while back where he had flashbacks to that, and it looked better. And mm-hmm. I feel like they could have just used stock footage, like they already shot that. Mm-hmm. Just, just use that again and light it differently, yeah, or something. Easiest thing in the world, just to light. Run a filter on it so yeah. it looks a little different, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, whatever. Make it look like a '60s uh, uh, home video. Yeah. Sorry, I've been watching uh, a lot of American Horror Story lately, and that's a <laughs> Neelix's home trip. movies of his family dying. <laughs> What would you do? <laughs> uh, Matt, what was your if bad I thing? fried up some hair? I think I talked about my bad thing already. <laughs> well, we talked about Neelix, but I, I feel like you might have had a different angle on it. Oh, yeah, also, uh, let's... yeah, no, just uh, really disappointed that this wasn't about the adventures of Small Girl in Seven. That's fair. I also, um, par- there's a scene where everyone does their last, their last words to their families and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we get to see Paris's, and his last words are terrible, which, I don't know if it's a bad thing, it seems very in character for him, but it's basically... I feel like, I feel like he's still struggling to say I love you in this relationship, so he's like, he's trying to be super cool guy, uh, he's like, yeah, uh, so, see ya. Yeah, his, his, his last words to Bellana basically break down to, yeah, well, I won't be around anymore to make you watch shitty movies, sorry I died, shrug. Uh, that feels in character to me. It feels like he's still learning how to be affectionate. I'm just watching. I'm like, shut up, Paris. Nah, didn't bother me. Maybe you could write her a letter like Tuvok is doing, you know, instead of trying to put on a show for everyone. Yeah. You fucker. <laughs> oh, real quick. I want to talk about Tuvok's really good. Oh, yes. Um, uh, Soothing uh, Wildman. Like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, I'm going to die. And and Tom's like, oh, don't don't just come in with your Vulcan. No, you're not, because that doesn't work. But it totally works. Oh, yeah. He's like, if I hear from Tuvok that you're going to pull through and if you don't, your child's going to be well taken care of. Mm. I believe it because he's not going to lie. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Like, he's not just going to tell you what you want to hear. He's going to think it out and give you the logical approach, mm-hmm. but also they tend not to lie. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just, I, I thought he was really good at it. And that's the voice I want when I'm panicking is a calm voice that I can trust yeah. rather than someone telling me it's going to be okay in some nebulous <laughs> yeah, way. Rather than Tom freaking out about how many funerals they're going to have to have. <laughs> well, it's a long tradition in Starfleet. <laughs> I, uh, I did have an issue with one of Tuvok's lines there. Uh, yes. He said to uh, Wildman, your daughter is in the hands of people you trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he really should have said, your daughter is in the hands of people you trust. <laughs> Sorry. Or or at least <laughs> emphasize people you trust. Yeah. <laughs> your daughter is in the hands or of Neelix. Your daughter is in the hands of people you trust. <laughs> <laughs> Just slight emphasis would have completely yeah. changed the meaning of your that. Your daughter is in the hands of people you trust. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything Your else before daughter? we Daughter? No, that no, that one doesn't work. No, I just no. I really like uh uh Tuvok the dad. We don't yeah, see me him very too. often, yeah. but he's, he's good at really it. Nice. Yeah, I agree. All right. Anything else? Uh no, I think we can move on to our other time episode. All right, then. Yeah, take it's it away, probably Matt. about time for us to uh, God damn it, Brian. I don't have time for this, Brian. All right. So we open on two schmucks and park as exploring a winter wonderland <laughs> that's actually an extremely frozen Voyager. Wait a minute. Frozen Voyager? What's happening? Quick, cut to the opening credits, and then a commercial for Selton Blue while the audience <laughs> considers it. Oh, we cut back to a very snowy Voyager and a very dead Captain Janeway and Seven, and a very alive and old, or at least gray-haired, Harry and Chuck. Great. Somebody froze the ship and everybody died except for the second and third worst guy on the ship. <laughs> I guess at least Neelix is dead. Anyway, Chuck boots up the, up the computer and turns the doctor back on so that he has somebody to explain exposition to. Apparently the crew actually built that slipstream drive that they were talking about, and then it crashed Voyager somewhere in the Beta Quadrant, and it's all Special Boy's fault. Way to go, Harry, you idiot. (laughs) The loss of his mommy and the pair of boobs and spandex that he awkwardly masturbates to every night has made Harry into the multi-grumble-voiced anti-hero that he is today. (laughs) He's one robot arm short of an X-Men character. Anyway, the Doctor literally yanks out Seven's brain and then uses it to send a message back to present-day Voyager that basically says Harry will screw it up. Also, here is a sports almanac for when you get back to Earth. Back in the future, old Harry and Chuck are attacked by our old friend Geordi LaForge, who is captain of his own starship, and clearly doing all right for himself. Good for him. And then Harry and Chuck explode. Good for us! (laughs) Back in the present again, future Harry's meddling has saved the day, and he sends back one last message to remind everyone how great he is. Good old Harry Kim. How I hate him. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that old gray Harry ain't what he used to be. I, I didn't want to interrupt your flow there, but... Al, your pants around your ankles. <laughs> and now the crazy old man singers. Old gray Harry ain't what he used to be. Ain't what he used to be. So this was the 100th episode of Voyager. It sure was. And they, uh, which means we're more than halfway through, but we knew that already. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, they really wanted to write something big that was that very much embodied what Voyager was all about. So, uh. <laughs> well, if I was asked to uh, explain what I thought Voyager was about, it would definitely be Chuck and Harry mucking around in the future. Well, this is this is my yeah, bad it's... thing, really. I wasn't I wasn't going for this, but let's go ahead and talk about it. Memory Alpha's jam packed with quotes from the writing team about how amazing this episode was. Seriously? You open with an image of the captain's frozen corpse, which immediately established that nothing that happens in this episode matters at all. She's not gonna die. Come on. There's 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 gonna be a big fucking reset button at the end. So there's zero stakes. It's Year of Hell all over again, minus the cool parts. Yeah, minus all the awesome shit from Year of Hell. 
So yeah. what you're saying is they wanted to make an episode that really exemplified Voyager, and it wound up being uh, tedious characters bickering at each other while a bunch of timeline stuff changes and nothing ever matters. Mm-hmm. And yes. it all ends We're, in disappointment. I'm going to quote Roger Ebert here, which says, I may not get what I want, but I get what I ask for. <laughs> <laughs> it was 45 minutes of nothing that ever ended up actually happening. Mm-hmm. And like all and while all of it was not happening, we get to spend time with the most irritating version of Harry Kim imaginable. But the thing is, you don't learn anything new about the characters because the things that made them that way end up not happening. So it's all just speculation about what they could be mm-hmm. like, but they're not. I mean, Harry's not going to become a grizzled, mulleted badass. The thing is, I've seen pictures of Garrett Wong now, and he has grown his hair longer, and he does wear leather jackets sometimes. Oh, yeah. I kind of does look like that. I do want to make it clear to the listening audience, like, for all that we make jokes about, like, mullety rebels as, like, a generic whatever, this time it's literal. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. no, he's he got a literal mullet. This no, is not that, a metaphorical mullet like we no, sometimes that's reference. The, the, yeah, but that's the visual shorthand for this is a bad boy character, uh, is they've got long hair, like they, in a bad heavy metal video. They yeah, seriously that, uh, nail every bad boy trope possible. Well, he didn't have a big scar. He didn't have that a big scar, it. and he should have, but that's yeah, about it. Or an it. eye patch. Or an yeah. eye patch. He should have just been Snake Plissken. That would, <laughs> oh, God, that would have been amazing. Escape from the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> I would have watched that in a fucking minute. Holy crap. And actually, the thing is, Chakotay didn't look like the the gray on his hair looked okay, and he also wore a leather jacket, but because it's grown-up clothes worn by a Mm grown-up, it looked all right on him. He actually wore a leather vest and pulled it off surprisingly well. Mm -hmm. Particularly, like, really, a Native American wearing a leather vest. That could go go real bad. Well. (laughs) But it actually looked okay. Well, it's because they left off any of that, uh, what the hell do they call it? The fringe. The fringe. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's because uh, Robert Beltran is a handsome man who looks like a grown-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, we can't, I mean, say, for we all can't my... say much about him, but we can say that. Yep. No, he's he's definitely a good-looking dude. And, like, but, yeah, more more to the point, he does look like a grown-up, and putting grown-up clothes on him doesn't make it look like, even though it's not, it's two sizes too big. Mm-hmm. Whereas Harry's outfit just looked like he put on his dad's clothes. I'm going to look cool today. No, you're not. And and he was talking with the gravelly voice, too. It was just... Uh, it was you don't understand, Mom. It's the first day of a new school year. I'm going to look badass, and everyone's going to talk about how awesome I am. I reinvented myself this year. Please don't pin my mittens to my, to my shirt. Harry, this is just what you said when you got that spiky haircut. <laughs> this is me now. I broke up with Libby, and I'm going to go run the galaxy with my friend Chuck. <laughs> I'm from the streets, and I'm the last guy you want to meet in a darkened alley. Hey, Fazellas. <laughs> yeah, just, ah. Oh. Uh, just the worst. I hate you, I, Harry. I hate you so fucking much. Yeah, that, uh, that, and the the whole look was so 90s. Mm-hmm. Well, and it all, it all really didn't back stand to, the test of time. It all uh. goes back to the, the killing game, which you were on for, Brian, yep. where they had a little bit of bitchy Harry, and, and they said, I, yeah. That's I the direction. It. I liked character. him there. Like I compliment. That was my good thing. I think mm. that episode. Yeah. If not, it was definitely something you sang the praises of. Yeah. Which one was the killing game? It, it wasn't the shoot. I know that much. What's that? Which one was the killing game? I know it wasn't the shoot. No, no, no that's so the, the, the two-parter the, with the uh, World War II. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Where yeah. he didn't get to go on the adventure, and he was griping at the uh, at the aliens. Oh, the time. right. Yeah. And, and then they were like, "Hey, bitchy Harry." That's a yeah. The writer said finally. This is the way into this character is making him just like a badass. Like, no, uh-huh. that's like expecting us to buy Wesley as a badass. Mm-hmm. Like, no, 
or even a good character, Jake. Like some when you set someone up as the young guy, yeah. that mm-hmm. doesn't really transition well to the tough guy. No, like tough Jake. I, no, no. Look, I love Jake to death, but he the badass. He's a kid. He's not there. No, even when we saw him as a grown up, he was still kind of a goofy kid. Yeah, he's just a tall goofball that you like hanging out with. Yeah, he's not going to well, get a gun and like fucking save. The no, day. he's like he's like his dad minus the military intensity, which yeah. is just a fun guy. Yeah. yeah. And I like that they made him a writer, and then they made him kind of a scumbag, but not like in a bad way, but in Fucking like just like a sleep till noon day. Yeah, just just a, a loser, and it's yeah. hard to <laughs> make fun of him for being unemployed when nobody has jobs. Yeah, but, you know, and we like he wound way. up doing like the reporter thing, and like you know, he was good at that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I miss Jake. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I'm do. saying you don't turn that character, that that basic archetype of a character, even when it's done well, mm-hmm. into a badass. It just doesn't work. No. I did, uh, speaking of just child characters, we like uh, to go back a little. I did peek on Memory Alpha just to see uh, Little Wildman is going to show up a few more times. Okay. Uh, and at least once uh, there's going to be a flash, back, flash forward to a future. So okay. look forward She's to that. married to Harry? <laughs> I probably, would not doubt it. Probably a future that doesn't end up happening. I'm so tired of that. Yep. I'm so tired of like, and I was thinking there are a handful of good episodes where it happens, but there's way more episodes where it happens badly. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, Matt, weren't you saying that like yesterday's Enterprise was the time that they nailed it and then they've been chasing that feeling ever since? That, that's my, that's, that's well, what that's, figured, that's yeah. more of a side thing. What I'm talking about is the future that ends up not happening. Right. Yeah, actually, that was an alternate present, not yeah, an alternate future. But you can still see where, well, I'm, was, where I'm coming from here. Right? Like, it was an alternate future for Christopher McDonald. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, but like all good things, and um, the visitor from DS Nine with, yes. with old Jake, where they and Jake. the Both of those um, where they nailed it. Yeah, the the one where Riker was being like uh, brain controlled by little John Luke. Oh, that yeah. one was okay, but that was more imagined. That wasn't yeah. the. But we it was still it was still like an alternate. It. Yeah, it wasn't a real future, but it was yeah. Maybe Whenever you what... explore what it means to the characters, mm-hmm. like that's good. But this Harry, all he has is a tiny message from his older self. He didn't learn anything. Yeah. This this Harry it will just go on as though this never happened because it never happened. Mm-hmm. He learned how not to cut his hair, right? Well, whereas, I won't like, do that. Whereas, like in all good things, Picard remembered that future that things went wrong in and told the crew, mm-hmm. "Look, you guys are going to grow apart. It sucks. Don't do that." Yeah. And that was important. And and Cisco remembered what happened with Jake, and he's like, "Oh my God, I really love my son, and yeah. I need to cherish this relationship because that was terrible." Mm-hmm. Like that when it's about the characters, it's great. But this was not about the characters because nobody learned anything and nobody really went through an arc, and it just they ran in place. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, we actually saw Harry break down crying because after we've made that joke so many times, oh, he actually went. Yep. And then and I'm I also just like waiting the, the, for the doctor to just slap him. Well, yep. he basically did. Like, he grabbed him and shook him. It was, it was airplane. Just, Excuse hey. me, I'm a doctor. <laughs> Everyone's lining up. Chakotay's <laughs> girlfriend, Chakotay. Like, somehow Seven Skull slaps him around. <laughs> uh, Seven Skull was my good thing. Yeah, it was pretty great. It was oh, a man. real neat little piece of design. Uh, and it finally answered my, my recurring little, like, bother of how much of Seven Skull is uh, robotic, and it turns out about a quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, they cut up Seven's like that's how they sent the message to the past. They cut up Seven's head and uh, used the Borg nanoprobes combined with the mobile emitter technology, twenty ninth century whatever, and sent the message back. I and just pic- uh, I, I just picture the Doctor with like a giant walnut cracker. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I like when the Doctor, ha- like, as a Doctor, any Doctor character in mm. Star Trek has mm-hmm. to do horrible Doctor, like, okay, this is unpleasant, and you've humanized me as a character, but I still sometimes reach into corpses. Like, mm. this yeah, is like, part I'm, of my job. I am, I'm 
cannibalizing the corpse, cannibal corpse of yeah. my basically my best friend. Yep. Yeah, um, and I have to do this because it's part of my job, mm-hmm. and it, it puts that likable character into a creepy light because you're like, oh yeah, also, shit, I guess a doctor would do that sometimes. Now that I think about it, this is the second time in like at least like a ten episode span that the doctor's been surprise reactivated in the future. Mm-hmm. That's another yeah. trope they're building. Anyway, um, they show it's like half of Seven's cranium. Uh, her superorbital implant and uh, the robot eye, which is finally confirmed as a robot eye and not mm-hmm. a cloned eye, which we had been wondering about. Yeah, uh, well, and I'm then just... like a big chunk of robot brain. Yeah, no, there, no it was a he, nice. He, Go ahead. Sorry, uh, he just he keep he, you keep seeing him talking to to Harry, and he's holding this just chunk of of seven, and I just keep looking at that one sad eye dangling from the brain, and just like, oh, <laughs> poor seven, no, she deserves it's... better than this. It's super morbid, but it's also it also has a bit of that alas poor Yorick mm-hmm. thing because mm-hmm. he did know her, you know. Yep. Like they were friends. She was a fellow of Infinite Jest, a most excellent fancy. Oh yeah, and that's she... those are definitely words I would use to describe Seven of Nine. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> but it's significant. It's not just any corpse. It's yeah. the corpse of his friend. So she yeah. hath borne her him on her back a thousand times. All right, that's you... about enough Shakespeare. For, that's about as much <laughs> Shakespeare as I'm willing to take in an episode of my. Of that my skull podcast. had a tongue in it once, Matt. Don't tell Harry. He'll get thoughts. Ugh. Yeah, he probably... Uh, just... Ah, Harry. Ah. Uh, Matt, this was your bad thing, right? Just Harry. Yeah, Harry. Harry. I think I've, adjust- I think I've addressed this enough in this episode, but uh, yeah, Harry is terrible. Okay. Terrible. <laughs> yes. Terrible Kim. <laughs> I just want to smack him. Just shut, shut up. Also, they they did some special boy bullshit because, okay, he's standing there in a scene Mm -hmm. like they've christened this new slipstream drive. They're about to activate it and they've announced it to the crew with a champagne party. Yep. Like it's a big deal and everyone knows we're going home. Mm -hmm. And then Harry says, oh, by the way, it's not going to work right in front of science captain who we know is fucking hardcore and great at, at science yep. and seven same and balana who's great at her job and knowing how the ship works yep. and knowing how this new engine would work with her ship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he tells all three of them as as the junior special boy this, this, this isn't gonna work i tested it and it's broken like these chicks all know a, a million things more than you yeah. what is your problem and dude? the worst part is that he was right that's yeah, the other I thing and it. what really bugs me is that like do you think for a second that Janeway's the type of character who would get her crew's hopes up when she like when there was even a chance this wouldn't work no she's a scientist she will test it until she's convinced that it's going to work she's mm-hmm. not just gonna go off half cocked on something that looks like it might work that's yeah. not how science works yeah but I mean it's also not how Janeway works Right. Yeah, like they, had, they, they had to screw with everybody's personality to yeah. make this uh, work. And it's just yeah. so fucking dumb and annoying, you know? Yeah. They, I think, uh, this is my second time I'm quoting Roger Ebert, he called it an idiot plot, mm-hmm. which is a plot that only works because every character is an idiot. Sure. So yeah. in order for this plot to work, they had to run this untested thing that Harry knew was going to break. Yeah. Which and they wouldn't, like, that's, we know these characters they wouldn't do that. We like most of these characters. Mm-hmm. No, and we they well established as being good at their jobs, too. Even yeah. if we didn't like them as people, we do trust in their competence to run the ship and to know how physics works yeah. and stuff like that. And they just don't. Also, in addition to him being smarter than all the smartest brains on the ship, he it took him 15 years to, to reconsider, like, to, to send this message back to make sure they don't do it. Mm-hmm. And he fucks that up. Yep. Like he doesn't, after 15 years of calculations, he still didn't do it right. Mm-hmm. Like really? Come on. It's like, special it, it, boy, special uh, boy. <laughs> I hate him so much. 
yeah. I, I still hate Neelix more, but he's definitely oh, yeah. great after no, that. Oh, yeah. No, look. N- yeah. Neelix is grosser. The the best thing I could say about this week is on, on the assumption that every character gets one focus episode, now we got two of these out of the way. Mm. Early yep. in the season, we got our Harry and our Neelix episodes out of the way. Yeah, Three if you count Chakotay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's get back to seven. Yeah, now now we've gotten all that out of the way. Now we can focus on Seven and the Doctor and Bellana and, and Janeway and even uh, Tom to some lesser extent. Yeah, like, I'm fine with that. That's, that's Let's get to that so Captain Proton episode. I'm excited. Uh, oh, I was yeah. I was looking at the next few episodes and you got a real interesting uh, just based on the Netflix descriptions. Tom's got a spotlight. I think I think two episodes from now and it sounds real fascinating. Oh, uh, I hope is, they can does, pull it off. Is his hair messed up? Uh, <laughs> I bet based on this description, I bet his hair is so messed up he might even have a tiny bit of stubble. Oh my god. Ooh. Mm-hmm. The thing is, a lot of times the one sentence descriptions end up being like misleading mm-hmm. because, as as I've pointed out, as the quintessential example, Bolana catches Ponfar as the stupidest thing. Yep, and yep. that was a pretty good episode. And there's there's been a couple like that where it's like this sounds dumb and it was good, or the other way around, this could have been good and it was terrible. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> In this episode, Harry grows a mustache. Oh, nah, I, I I know exactly what that mustache looks like. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's been growing it for four seasons. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's got it now. You just can't see mm-hmm. it. Tom, you haven't mentioned my mustache. What? I mean, yeah, it's really coming along there, buddy. Looking real distinguished Se- over there. Seven's the only one who could see it if she turns on like the bionic <laughs> portion of her fake eye. Yeah. Ensign Kim, you have forgotten to shave this morning. No, I didn't. I didn't shave for the past four weeks. Let me tell you about the ancient Earth tradition of Movember. <laughs> Actually, I left my razor back on Deep Space Nine. I haven't shaved since then. Oh, Quark um, swindled it out of me. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> and then sold it to Cisco's little glowing cube. <laughs> I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. The biggest wasted opportunity was that one time the Quark and Rom were talking to Cisco while he was shaving with his little glowing cube, and then they left the room. And the perfect way to end that scene would have been Cisco running it over the top of his head. <laughs> Yep. Would have been great. Would have been great. Would have. Oh, well. Uh, speaking of people acting out of character, mm-hmm. uh, and actually, Matt, this is also your quote, but it's also my good thing. Yep. Uh, when they're having their dumb little champagne celebration for the thing that is doomed to fail, mm-hmm. uh, Seven uh, has a glass of champagne and can handle her liquor. Yep. And it is great. Seven? My visual processors and motor cortex. They are malfunctioning. Sounds like a problem with your cortical implant. We'd better have a look. Hold still. I cannot comply. You're intoxicated. Impossible. Your blood synthahol level is 0.05%. How many glasses of champagne did you consume? One. Obviously the boar can't hold their liquor. Come to sickbay, I'll give you some interprovaline to counteract the effects. I was simply trying to perfect my social skills, as you instructed me to do. And you're doing a fine job. You have always been of enormous assistance to me, Doctor. You, you are my mentor. Yes. We are as one. We are as one. Well, as someone who has probably has never tasted booze before, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's also, true. I don't think knew it was alcoholic. I, well, it's synthaholic, which to this day I still don't understand. Like, so she got drunk from this thing that's supposed to not make you drunk. From well, what? I guess they must have broken out the good stuff. Mm-hmm. The Romulan ale, as it were. Yes. Uh, um, the Talaxian ale? Yeah. Oh, God. Is that made from <laughs> squeezing <laughs> Neelix? Yes. <laughs> yeah, through a, through a hair filter. Uh. <laughs> they basically yep. just uh, plunged Neelix's sink and then uh, 
Oh. Ah. Ah. Ring out the hair ah. like, it's a, like it's a rag. Yep. Ring out your hair. Or a Cardassian yeah. bird. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, more, more, I'm probably not in the same episode, but more seven being hanging out with a little girl and more seven being drunk, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in your alternate future, uh, seven become like wild man dies because uh-huh. that's what you said could have been cool. And uh, seven becomes her guardian yep. and drinks a lot and is basically like the uh, the abusive like step parent who drinks a lot. Mm, no. no, but like funny, like Miss Hannigan from Annie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, there's a character I haven't thought of in years. Maybe without the child abuse. Yeah, a little bit of child abuse. Yeah. But for Harry, not not for oh, Naomi. Oh, no, no, that's <laughs> Naomi doesn't deserve a thing. But, no, but I but definitely want to see uh, uh, Harry boy scrubbing abuse. the floors in hopes that someone will love him. It's Until a hard it knock life for me. <laughs> Until it shines like the Chrysler building. The what? I don't know. It's something Tom told me. I'm, uh, I'm sorry, I would have enjoyed that girls. for a while. Have a boy. <laughs> Come yeah. on, Sandy, we gotta go. Special boys. Yeah, special Neelix boys is Sandy. every day. <laughs> oh, man. And a special appearance at the end by uh, Patrick Stewart as Daddy Wolf. I was just gonna say. <laughs> Actually, Patrick Stewart would look real good in that tuxedo. Yeah. I mean, everybody looks good in a tuxedo. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, Jordy. Jordy's in oh, this yeah. episode. So he Yay. is. Jordy's in this episode for a couple of seconds as the captain of the galaxy class ship that uh, tries to stop uh, Chuck and Harry's most excellent adventure through time. Yeah. And he's great. And I forgot how much I miss Jordy. Like, I love that character. And I haven't seen him in yeah. years, honestly. No, and what I really like is Jordy's like, look, I've been in these situations a lot. <laughs> I know when someone goes rogue and steals a shuttle and does something they're not supposed to do. You're you're determined to do this. You also know that I'm determined to stop you. Yeah. So uh good luck. There's no point in continuing this conversation. Like it was it was a real just frank that that's Jordy. Yep. He's not gonna bullshit. He's just like, yeah, we know how this goes. Good luck, man. Mm-hmm. No no hard feelings. I'm doing my job. You're doing what you want to do. I I don't hate you, but I gotta stop you. Bye. My and it was nice. Yeah. My only thing yeah, is that good. I feel like Jordy would be able to outsmart Harry and Chuck. Like yeah, you would think so. I mean, look, he was on the Enterprise. Chuck wasn't even in Starfleet. Yeah, that's true. But I do like, uh, well, if we buy the Maquis as the way they were supposed to be, mm. he was part of an organization that regularly outsmarted Starfleet. No, that's true. Mm-hmm. And they know. are in the Delta Flyer, which is, you know, little and maneuverable. And, yeah, it's also you know. 15 years old at this point. So it was if it was top of the line then, it's still outdated now. Mm. Well, yeah, but Jordy's in a Galaxy-class ship. True. So if that was top of the line 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah but presumably Look, those things gonna, were getting refits. I don't 100% buy Jordy as a captain. No. I think, you know, much like Scotty, captain of engineering, whatever yeah. that is, sure, go for it. But Right. Teaching, probably. Yeah. You but know, not leading. But I just, it, it feels like they couldn't get freaks. No, they actually wanted Jordy at first. Mm. Oh. And actually, LeVar Burton well, directed this. And I was going to say... Yeah, well, there's, there's a quote in Memory Alpha where he like because he was one of the house directors at this point. Mm-hmm. We've seen his name on a bunch of episodes. Yeah. He just he directs every 20th episode or whatever it is. But like when they asked him to act in it, he's like, yeah, I want to see a script first. Yeah. I like that makes that. sense. You direct an episode that's uh, not that great. And it's like whatever. But if you're on screen. Yeah, look, I've, I ha- I've, I've built this character for the last 10 years at this point, and I don't want to fuck him up with a terrible appearance. I want to make sure he's okay, so that that's fine. It's like yeah, really- LeVar's, char- LeVar's character is that he wants to make that cheddar, so he'll direct anything, but uh, <laughs> Jordy's character. Yeah. 
It's also an alternate Jordy, so, yes. you know, whatever. I just picture LeVar, <laughs> someone being like, really, LeVar, you wanted to do, like, you saw the script and you still did the episode? Well, I read my parts. Yeah. <laughs> Turned no. out I didn't have to move the entire time. I just sat in a chair. Yeah. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Patrick always bitched about that. It's not that hard. No, I just, like, it was a nice little, I wish they hadn't spoiled it in the in the opening credits. Yeah, we talk about this every time. Do that, you know? Yeah, every time they have a surprise guest star, it's like, don't tell us at the beginning. Yeah. Can, like, the first credit that should come up at the end is special guest star LeVar Burton. Yeah. Like, you credit him, and you I give him top bill. Uh, I was listening to an episode of the, the Thrilling Adventure Hour, and uh-huh. uh, they had uh, Nathan Fillion's character, Cactoid Jim, mm-hmm. and they put him in the opening credits, but it, the joke was that it was Paul F. Tompkins playing him. Oh, nice. But that then they didn't want to spoil that. And so the, then at the end, they were like, correction, Paul F. Tompkins as Cactoid Jim. <laughs> but see, that's a comedy show. You can yeah. do that. On on here, I think the movie... A little tougher to, to pull off, but they knew put the a value giant of LeVar saving Burton the surprise. At the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure and he was fit. also in the uh, trailer for the episode, so... Yeah, probably. Oh, Actually, probably episode. people watching at the time got very disappointed because they were expecting a big Geordie adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be. This week, we got a big old Harry adventure. adventure. Yeah. On Voyager, the crew runs into Jordy Wofford. <laughs> Chakotay. Uh, yeah. Henson no, Kim I, is a murder. That's it. The end. Of crows. A murder mullet. <laughs> oh. It's a race against time. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, gosh, it is. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You're just working another time pun in there, aren't that you? That one I didn't even do on purpose. I was just coming <laughs> up with, like, a generic phrase, and then I was like, oh, wait, that applies literally as well. Yeah. No, I just, I'm so sick of, like, let's reset button. Here's a cool thing, except it didn't happen. I mean, obviously Voyager's not trapped under ice. Obviously everyone's not dead. So in the in the teaser, we know it's just, like, it's it doesn't matter. None of this matters. The rest of the season takes place under ice. <laughs> That'd be fine. Ice trek. That'd be all right. The ice generation. I, no. Deep Spice 9, that doesn't work. <laughs> Deep Spice must flow! Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, uh, at one point, the Doctor ends up helping uh, Chuck and Harry, because uh, if Starfleet catches us, they'll put me in cybernetic oblivion. Like, really? They're Is gonna, that a thing? When, but when Jordy comes and, and, like, presumably tractor beams the ship in, mm-hmm. he's just gonna turn off the Doctor? That doesn't feel right. No. No, he's going to put him into cybernetic oblivion, which is a thing. The thing is, oh. unfortunately, I, guess, I don't know. I talked They'll about throw the, him in the uh, Moriarty box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, the the problem is, and we talked about this before. Like the the doctor mentions in one of the episodes that he knows what it's like when he's off. Yeah, which I hate. Except in this episode, he was surprised that fifteen years had passed. Yeah. So that doesn't always track. It, and I, he was surprised that a hundred years had passed, or whatever. Yeah, I right. don't know. It's 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 stupid. It's very fucking it's, stupid. It's inconsistent. Yeah. But my point is, why was he fear? Like the whole plot wise, the whole reason he decided to uh, uh, disobey Starfleet and go with these two guys who were doing things against Starfleet was because he feared for his own life. Mm. Like he thought they were going to kill him. And like, really? Come on, that's Jordy. That yeah. is the nicest guy. And that is the guy who more than maybe anyone else in modern Trek would mm. completely understand what you are. Yeah. He's seen a self-aware hologram. He mm-hmm. understands the technology. He's been through all this a couple of times. He knows he's not just going to turn you off, yeah. man. Yeah. That's cool. His best friend is the yeah. <laughs> literally the person who proved in court that artificial intelligences yeah. were beings. No, and no, dude, his best friend was that. Yeah. Yeah. Like his best friend was. Well, that's artificial. what I mean. Like his best friend was the subject of the case. Right. Yeah. So it's very clear that, like, Jordy would not just switch. Like, he wouldn't put him in cybernetic oblivion. He'd just 
bring him on the ship and figure out like yeah. how to reassign him or whatever, you know, like. And then Peter David would write a series of spinoff novels about them. Probably. That got progressively worse. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Adventures of Geordi and the Doctor, I'd be, I'd be down with that. Mm. That'd be a lot I'd of fun. I'd have the time actually. of my life. <sighs> I think I used that one already. You yeah, did. you did. Twice. I hope you had the time of your life. Ugh. I really should have been biding my time on that one. Time after time, we just keep telling you. See ya, folks! <laughs> <laughs> I could just end it there, actually. <laughs> dun, 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 Do you guys dun, have anything dun, dun, else? Dun, 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 oh, no, we gotta get Brian his plug. Right. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, anything else about this episode? Uh, uh, nope. <laughs> very well. Brian. Uh, Chakotay uh, oh. got involved with another brunette with a strong jawline who we're not gonna see anymore. Yeah, that was pretty. So. Like, it didn't bother me, but it was just kind of generic. Like, yeah, of course he's got a he's got a lady because you know. I like that his uh, tasted women runs along the same as uh, uh, Ron from uh, Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, her name's <laughs> yep. probably Tammy. Yep, it's fine. I like a brunette wi- woman and breakfast food. <laughs> Replicator, eggs and bacon, please and thank you. Oh shit! Once again, I want to see Ron Swanson in place of Chicote. Well, yeah, <laughs> that just keeps coming up. Always. Well, he's the outdoorsman. He's yeah. The, he's the rugged manly man, so that makes sense. Plus, I just finished a rewatch of that, so nice. he's, he's fresh in my head, and I, yeah, I absolutely... I actually would really love to see Captain Ron Swanson and First Officer uh, Amy Poehler. Why Leslie Nope. Leslie Nope. Yeah, thank you. Why Why did I blank on the main character of one of my favorite shows? I don't know. I blanked on Ron's last name for a minute there, too, so... Yeah. No, I totally would want to see the the adventures of of those two mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a Star Trek ship. That would be great. Agreed. I just want Aubrey Plaza to be a Vulcan. Also good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Neelix could be played by Jean Ralphio. Yep. Because <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> and I'm right. basically a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> and that's three. All right. That's we one made for it. all of us. <laughs> yeah. Brian, why don't you tell the yes. fine folks uh, whatever it is you want to tell them to check out or buy or see or do? Uh, well, the uh, the blog is still on hiatus, mm. and uh, as I mentioned, the uh, book's not quite ready for sale yet, but I did start a little mini thing uh, to keep my hand fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you Is would, that an uh, expression, keeping your hand fresh? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> keeping my time fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Time it up. Uh, t- time it up. Uh, it's uh, a Tumblr this time. Um, uh, oh, this yeah. is a, a blog that I've been running for a while, a couple years ago, and I brought it back and I've refreshed it. Uh, it's called. Uh, <laughs> I've kept my hand fresh. God damn it, that's terrible. Um, Kidsbookcovers.blog.tumblr.com. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kidsbookcovers.tumblr.com. It's uh, just uh, generic reviews of uh, 90s children's paperback covers, mostly mm. 90s. Uh, with a special focus on the boxcar children, and I've uh, just added the Babysitters Club to the mix. Also, do me a favor, get uh, some Bobsy Twins in there. I, that's what I'll I throw used some to Bobsy. Yeah, I have one Bobsy Twins one already. Mm. Uh, the Secret of Candy Castle. Nice. Um, I've never read a Bobsy Twins. Are there two sets of twins? Yes, yeah. that's the. I was just assumed the they're one. Yep. Huh. No, there okay. are two. Two older sets and two younger sets. Oh, the, no, no. Well, there Wait, one no. older set. One older set, one younger set. <laughs> a total, total of eight various types of twins. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, it was, this is from back when I worked at the bookstore a few years back, and I shelf boxcar children books and laugh at the stupid clothing that they were wearing. Sure. Uh, and the pointing. And the pointing. A lot of weird overalls, pointing. Lots yep. of overalls, lots of pointing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, I just started writing a blog about it, and uh, it's, it's fun, you know, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, uh, I follow I, it. Uh, I enjoy when that pops up. 
I, I uh, delayed for a little bit because I'm a teacher and it's the end of summer and sure. I'm getting the school year ready. But I just wrote, uh, uploaded uh, 20 of them onto the uh, queue yesterday and I'm going to try to get another uh, big chunk of them done today. So I'll have at least a month going there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I'm uh, enjoying it. Mm. So that's Excellent. that. And uh, also to tease something you don't know about yet, there's some really cool things coming up with your character in Contentment Corner. So, uh, Yay! Wait, which one? To that. Uh, Jad. Yay! So, I mean, not that I don't like Serb, but... No, he's he's gone. They're, they're gone. Okay. Uh, and that's all for this time. So next time, hopefully we don't have to deal with Harry or Neelix. Let's, let's hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers freaking crossed. Yep. And on the other hand, maybe they'll try to uh, reinvent Harry again. Third time's the charm. Maybe. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.